Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everyone, thank you for downloading another episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and it has been a few weeks. It's, it feels like it's been a long time. I took a two-week break. Things in Philly were a little hot, um, most particularly around the Walter Wallace Jr. shooting, and then everything with the the election and the lead-up and the, I guess, the aftermath of the election. It's just a lot of stress, a lot of, a lot of things that deserved more attention than college football, in my opinion. But I'm, I'm glad to be back. Things have calmed down uh, substantially, and I'm, I'm ready to power through and provide my Week 11 recap. If you're a fan of the show or if you follow me on Twitter, I just want to say thank you for your support. Thank you for the downloads, and I hope I can make an entertaining podcast for you all today amid a global pandemic where... It seems like every week more and more games are being canceled due to the virus and more broadly or globally, I mean, this this virus is hitting another wave. We're seeing it in the United States right now. Things are getting pretty serious out there if you're in the Midwestern states, in the East Coast, here in Philly. I think we're getting ready for a new set of COVID restrictions today at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm actually recording this. It's a little afternoon on Monday, uh, November 16th. So we'll just, we'll see how things evolve as the day progresses and then certainly as the week progresses. But for right now, everything is good. Everything is chill. So we'll go ahead and kick this episode off with my week 11 recaps. In the ACC, I had NC State over Florida State. I got the victory 38 to 22. NC State quarterback Bailey Hockman, he threw for 265 yards with three touchdowns and one interception. His favorite target was wide receiver Thayer Thomas, who caught 11 balls for 135 yards and two touchdowns. So my NC State team is is rolling. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of the Wolfpack this season. They played a really, really close game against Miami a couple weeks ago. It was heartbreaking because my Miami was actually down in that game in the in the final quarter of that game against NC State, and I was hoping that NC State would be able to hold on for the victory against a ranked Miami Hurricane squad, but it wasn't meant to be, and they they get clipped in that game, but it's good to see them bounce back with a victory over Florida State 38 to 22. NC State's defense forced two turnovers in this game against the Seminoles. NC State is 5-3 and three right now, so I couldn't be any happier. And I had a side bet with my good friend Brandon, uh, who he went to Florida State, and uh, we bet uh, that uh, whoever loses this game has to pay for a round of drinks. So fortunately, NC State gets me a free round of drinks from my friend Brandon. But we did lose. I lost in fantasy against Brandon this week, so I owe him lunch or dinner You know, after COVID subsides. So... That's something to look forward to in the future. But in the ACC, I get the victory there. In the Big Ten, I get the victory. I had number 10, Indiana, which seems crazy to say that Indiana is ranked number 10 in the country, over Michigan State, 24-0. to zero. They blanked the Michigan State Spartans, 24 to nothing. 
The number 10 Hoosiers aren't playing around this season. They're undefeated. They're looking good. My man Peyton Thorne from Naperville Central, he saw action at quarterback for Michigan State. He went 10 for 20 for 110 yards with one interception. So that's that's not good, but glad to see Peyton Thorne can get in to the action there. Michigan State committed four turnovers in this game, including three interceptions. Indiana's quarterback, Michael Penes Jr., threw for 320 yards. His favorite target of the day was wide receiver Ty Freifogel. I think that's his name, Freifogel. It's a pretty interesting name, I'm not going to lie. And he was the favorite target of the day. He caught 11 balls for Indiana for 200 yards and two touchdowns. So Indiana is just doing the damn thing in Bloomington. And they are number 10th ranked. They are undefeated. They play Ohio State this weekend. Good luck. Then in the Big 12, I got a victory at Texas Tech over Baylor by a close score of 24-23. to Texas Tech scored 12 points in the fourth quarter, and its defense was able to shut Baylor out in the fourth quarter to hold on for the victory. So shout out to the Red Raiders getting me that victory out of the Big 12. In the Pac-12, I had number 20 USC over Arizona. I got the victory 34-30, to as this, the Trojans did as well. It wasn't a pretty game. These two teams were penalized for a total of 18 times for a close to 200 yards. So that's that's no fun. That's no good. That's pretty ugly. Then the fourth quarter of the game was pretty back and forth, but the Trojans were able to outlast the Wildcats to hold on to the victory. They are 2-0, and they are 20th ranked in the Pac-12, so they live to see another day. So I get the victory there of the Pac-12, and then in the SEC, I had Kentucky over Vanderbilt by a close score of 38-35. to When I picked this game as my lock out of the SEC, I didn't think it would be this close but Kentucky manages to escape with the victory. As a team, the Wildcats rushed the ball for over 300 yards against Vandy. Running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. ran for 149 yards on 13 carries with two touchdowns, and his teammate Terry Wilson, he ran the ball for 83 yards on seven carries with one touchdown. So the ground game seemed to be dominant in this matchup against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Kentucky lives on to see the victory, 38-35, to and that rounds out my top five locks. It's crazy that we have all five conferences represented in my Power Five locks, and we'll see how long that lasts for. I mean, with every day that passes, I seem more unsure that the season will end with all the teams Uh, And all the conferences being able to play their games and and lead up to the playoffs and and the college football championship. But we we shall see. I mean, they're canceling games or they're postponing games and they're just moving forward. But we'll see if there's going to be a bigger approach from the NCAA or from some of these conferences as we get into the colder weeks and, and months of the season. So we'll see how long this this will last. I'm I'm just I'm unsure. If I'm being honest, I'm uncertain what's going to happen. But those are my Power 5 locks for Week 11 action. I went 5-0. and Overall, I'm 37-7 and when making these predictions. So I'm 84% accurate with these Power 5 locks. These are straight-up predictions. If we take a look at Week 12, I have in the ACC Miami over Georgia Tech. And this is the second meeting of the former Temple coaches. So at Miami, Manny Diaz was a coach for like two weeks. And then we had Jeff Collins, the he's now the Georgia Tech head coach. But these two men were coaches at Temple. 
a couple of years ago, and now they are meeting for the second time uh, in the ACC. So I'm taking Miami over Georgia Tech. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Maryland over Michigan State. Maryland's quarterback, Tonga Bailoa, is just an exciting player to watch in all of college football right now. He got off to a, a really a slow start against Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. The first week of the Big Ten season. But uh, after that game, I mean, Maryland has been an exciting team to watch. I think they're 2-1 and one right now. Their game against Ohio State this past weekend was canceled. And so they sit atop the standings. I mean, 2-1 and one record is pretty good compared to some of the other teams right now out of the Big Ten. Some of the historically dominant teams and programs that we're used to seeing at the top of the conference standings are at the bottom of the league right now. So Maryland's got a, a really good opportunity here to try to get that forward momentum. And uh, Tonga Vailoa is an exciting player to watch and his future is very bright in college park. So I'm taking Maryland over MSU in the big 12. I'm taking OK state over Oklahoma in the bedlam series. Did you know Oklahoma has won the last five matchups between Oklahoma state? However, I'm, I'm feeling like Oklahoma State could turn the tide this weekend. Oklahoma is not the same Oklahoma that we've seen in the past. I mean, it's a new iteration every single year with the new quarterback every single year. But I think OK State is going to clip them this year. That's just my gut feeling that OK State will get the victory over Oklahoma. It'll be a close game. It'll be within seven points. In the Pac-12, I'm taking Oregon over UCLA. That's a no-brainer. And the SEC, I'm taking Florida over Vandy. That's another no-brainer there. So with my week 12 locks within the Power 5 conferences, I'll run that list down for you guys one more time. In the ACC, Miami over Georgia Tech. In the Big 10, Maryland over Michigan State. In the Big 12, Oklahoma State over Oklahoma. In the Pac-12, Oregon over UCLA. And in the SEC, Florida over Vandy. So those are my Power 5 locks within the Power 5 conferences for Week 12 action. Book them down. It's going to be another 5-0 weekend for me. Hopefully, it can be a 5-0 weekend for you as well. And so, there we have it, folks. After this quick timeout, we'll get into some news on the other side of the break, including the UNC versus Wake Forest game. We'll talk about some latest developments within college football, including a firing at an SEC program. So there's some topics that we'll dive into on the other side of this quick timeout. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. What's going on? It's Casey Callan, host of the Characters of Boxing and Beyond podcast. I'm here in beautiful Charm City, and I just want to remind you about a new book from Clear Contender Media. It's called How They Got Their Billions. We're exploring the business stories of pro football's 32 NFL owners. Every NFL team is worth well over a billion dollars these days. Some NFL owners amass their fortune through inherited wealth, oil exploration, but other stories are more far-fetched than fiction. So this new book, How They Got Their Billions, by me, kind of exploring the different path that all of today's 32 NFL owners took to acquire their fortune and team. So definitely check this book out. It's available right now clearcontender.com slash books or you can find it on Amazon and uh, have a good one everyone want to know what life is really like after the game is all over real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on after orange slices even if you don't like sports pro athletes former college stars celebrities coaches public speakers doctors and all kinds of experts join the show and there's a little bit of something for everybody 
Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. On this side of the break, we are going to get into some college football news. We'll talk about some games that had my interest this past weekend, including the UNC versus Wake Forest matchup. UNC got the victory 59-53 to over the Demon Deacons. UNC came back from a 21-point deficit in the third quarter to beat Wake Forest. UNC's sophomore sensation quarterback Sam Howell, he completed 32 of 42 passing, throwing for 550 yards with six touchdowns and one interception. He also ran a touchdown into the end zone, so this dude was a beast. He had seven total touchdowns, which seems insane in a, in a FBS game in the ACC. That's that's just insane. He became the first UNC quarterback with over 500 passing yards. 232 yards came in the first quarter, which is the most any FBS passer has thrown for in a game this season. So Sam Howell is in some elite company. I mean, he's there by himself right now. But he's a player that you've heard me mention before on this podcast last season and earlier this season that this is a dude that you're going to have to keep your 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 eyes glued to because he is just a sensation and he's really helped Mac Brown out. You know, Mac Brown has come back. This is his second season at UNC and to nab this player uh, who I, I think by all accounts was going somewhere else. He wasn't going to UNC. I want to say he was going to go to Texas or another program and Mac Brown was able to pull him to UNC and what a difference a couple years makes. I mean, that's that's incredible. They had an incredible finish last season as a team. This season they're they're playing very well and at a high level and Sam Howell is just a, a monster of a quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks this season in in the ACC and within all FBS. So a, a tremendous stat. The six passing touchdowns earned Howell a new school record and tied for the most in ACC history. His favorite targets of the day, wide receiver Daz Newsom and wide receiver Diami Brown, both had over 160 yards receiving with two touchdowns apiece. So I just wanted to call that out. I mean, such a tremendous passing effort from a young Sam Howell. And the fact that the score is 59 to 53, that seems more similar to a, a ACC basketball score. Uh, you know, I wouldn't think a football game would get that high, but my golly, what what a game. Then we had Illinois versus Rutgers. We're, we're moving from the ACC to the Big Ten. I call this out because Illinois got its first victory of the season. Illinois beats Rutgers by a score of 23-20. to This game was played in New Brunswick, so it was on the road for Illinois. Rutgers allowed Illinois to rush for over 338 yards. Good God, that is a lot of yards. And it included an impressive performance from freshman quarterback Isaiah Williams, who had 192 yards on 31 carries with one touchdown. What a performance. What a victory for the Illini. I can't really do this justice, so I'm going to have my good friend Herb Lawrence give his take on this game. So, Herb, I'm going to toss it to you, my friend. Thank you. Game started really uh, inauspicious for the Illini as they give up an easy first drive touchdown to Rutgers. And I thought, here we go again. But offense was helmed by their fourth different starting quarterback of the season. It's their fourth game. They started the season with Brandon Peters. Then he got COVID, and he had to sit out for three weeks. 
Then they started the second game with Matt Robinson, redshirt sophomore. Third game, redshirt freshman, Karan Taylor. And today, highly touted four-star recruit running back slash wide receiver slash quarterback mostly, uh, Isaiah Williams. Not Juice Williams, who used to play at the Illini, who was also Isaiah Williams, but this guy from St. Louis, no relation, had an awesome game. He set the record for Illini quarterbacks with 190-plus yards of rushing today. He was just electric and elusive. If the Illini get anything from him on the passing game, which he struggled mightily today, they're going to be deadly. But he led them to victory. Uh, did a couple of fumbles today. Weren't Ball protection needs to be improved, and the passing game needs to be improved. But for the most part, for your first start ever on the road, Isaiah Williams killed it today. So things are looking up for the Illini. If they can get Brandon Peters back next week, he gives both options. He gives good passing and good running options. And I think you can mix in some plays there for Isaiah Williams in this offense and keep it going. Now, Lovey, who is defensive corner and the head coach, needs to get his part going, even though they played a little bit better today. I think they got three interceptions from the Rutgers offense. So, onward and upward, I think next week they are playing. No, they're going on the road to Nebraska in Lincoln. So, there's a chance to get a victory there. There's also a chance to get embarrassed. So, we'll see. Who will Illini starts at quarterback? I think it's going to be Brandon Peters. And then if they're going to show up with defensive uh, effort that they did today versus Rutgers. I want to give a quick shout out to Herb Lawrence. Thank you, Herb, for providing that sound clip that we all just heard. As you may know, Herb is a huge Illini fan. He is passionate about that program. And I, I enjoy his insights. He he is a great follow on Twitter. He is a great friend. And I hope to have him on the podcast more uh, this season as it progresses, hopefully. So if you enjoyed that sound clip, hopefully we'll get some more takes from Herb this season as it pertains to Illinois and football in general. But thank you, Herb, for bringing that, uh, for sending that sound clip in. I appreciate it. If we look in the Big Ten, I want to look more broadly across the Big Ten. You're looking at some programs that aren't playing well this season, and they had a great finish last season in 2019. Some of those programs include Minnesota, is one in three right now in the Big Ten. Michigan is one in three. Penn State is 0 and 4. Minnesota, it's so crazy. They finished second in the West last season with a, an 11 and 2 record. So PJ Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. <laughs> So they already have more losses this season than they did a year ago. They were the darlings of the Big Ten last year. Everybody loves P.J. Fleck. Everybody loves to row those boats. So P.J. Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. (laughs) But this season, their boats have capsized in Minnesota. And one in three is such a bad start to the season compared to how they played last season. And so hopefully they can turn that around. Um, Because I do like... That story of Minnesota coming back to relevance in the in the Big Ten, and we'll see if they can turn that around. But that's uh, not not good. Michigan is one in three. Jim Harbaugh seat has got to be hot as hell right now. Last season they finished third in the East with a nine and four record. This past weekend they lost forty nine to eleven to Wisconsin. If you can believe it or not, the thirty eight point loss to Wisconsin was the program's worst at home since nineteen thirty five. So since your grandparents were born, probably. I mean, that's 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 pretty bad. 1935, 
The one in three start to the season is the program's worst start since 1967. So when your parents were born, like I said, Jim Harbaugh, the head coach at Michigan, has got to be thinking about some sort of exit strategy at this point because this is god awful. This is bad. Penn State is another program that historically has been playing really well compared to Ohio State. Uh, they're in the same division of the Big Ten out of the, out in the East. Penn State is 0-4 right now. Last season, they finished second place in the East with 11-2 record. Penn State's 0-4 start is the second for Penn State in its history. The other time coming in 2001 when I was a young cherry picking just starting high school. The Nittany Lions are the fourth team to start 0-4 after being ranked in the preseason AP Top 10. The first since Pittsburgh in 1984. So that's some pretty bad company that uh, that they're associated with. And who would have thought an 0-4 start after being ranked in the AP Top 10? That's that's no good. And I know the, the seat has got to be hot. It's got to be warming for head coach James Franklin. My approach and my thought coming into this season is, okay, if we're going to play college football, it's going to look a lot different than it has you know, just a, a season ago. I think coaches should get a pass. If I if I'm being uh, in charge of of my programs and being in charge of of these coaches, you know, at these various schools, you know, I would think that the head coaches would get a pass. And we're starting to see that these coaches aren't going to be immune from these types of decisions this season. I mean, we already seen at South Carolina, Will Muschamp just got fired. And so I, th- I think that's really, really, really shocking because you would think that these coaches will get a pass this season, but that's not look- looking like that will indeed be the case. Uh, you know, Will Muschamp was fired or relieved at South Carolina this past weekend, and he won't be the last coach to uh, see their position get terminated. Um, and so, you know, we'll have to wait to see how the season plays out, but that's just the first head coach to get fired in on the FBS level and it won't be the last and perhaps we will have another coach from the possibly the Big 10 joining those ranks I mean we'll, we shall see but the fact that those three schools Minnesota Michigan Penn State these were some of the top teams in the Big 10 last season are now at the bottom of the standings right now in the Big 10 that's not good at all and so damn I would hate to be Jim Harbaugh. I mean, out of all those those schools I just mentioned, those three, Jim Harbaugh has got to be saying, "Man, I can't get any, can't catch any breaks." And so we shall see what he decides to do or what the school decides to do. But you know, that's just that's that's just big news out of the Big Ten that I wanted to, to speak to. On the other hand, Northwestern, Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern may go seven and one with its remaining schedule. The Cats host number 10 Wisconsin this weekend, which will be a deciding game in the West, but the remaining schedule after this game is to opponents who have a losing record. So there's a very good chance that Northwestern may finish the season uh, with a 7-1 and record after being one of the worst teams out of the Big Ten West last season, which was a drop-off from two seasons ago when they won the Big Ten West. So, you know, I'm pulling for Chicago's Big Ten team. We'll see if they can do it this weekend against Wisconsin. That's going to be a big matchup, and it's definitely going to have my interest. So we'll see what Northwestern can do. And it's head coach Pat Fitzgerald. See if he can rally the troops. And who knows, maybe after this game against Wisconsin, they will have some good old clean American fun this weekend. 
So that that will be yet to be seen. But just some news out of the Big Ten that I wanted to share my thoughts on with you all. And uh, it's crazy what a season can do. It's crazy what a season can do. Now, real quick, before we get out of here, I did want to talk about some games that you should watch this weekend. NC State versus Liberty. And I'm saying this game is a game to watch because Liberty's number 21 ranked in the AP. They're undefeated. I think they beat Syracuse earlier this season. They're an independent team. And NC State has a tremendous opportunity this weekend to beat Liberty and hopefully get ranked in the AP top 25. And so I'll, I'll be watching that game for sure. Then we have number nine, Indiana versus number three, Ohio State. You know, if Indiana can make it close, that's a, a victory in my eyes. I, I'm not expecting them to beat Ohio State, but if they can keep the game close and keep it competitive, I think that's got to be a victory for that team as well. And they played exciting ball all season. I mean, they, that finish a few weeks ago against, I think it was Penn State, was crazy. So, you know, we'll see what they can do. Then we had the Wisconsin number 10 ranked. And then we have uh, versus number 19 ranked Northwestern. So we'll see if the Chicago's Big Ten team can keep that momentum rolling against Wisconsin's Big Ten team. So a few games to, to keep your eyes glued to on the slate, assuming they don't get canceled or postponed. Ohio State's game last weekend against Maryland got canceled outright. The Big Ten is in a, a little bit of a different different situation compared to some of the other conferences. They There's not enough time built in for them to reschedule these games. So if there's any sort of COVID outbreak or any sort of issues with the number of scholarship players on the roster, you know, they're going to have to cancel these games unless we see a different strategy emerge. But, you know, it would be a shame to see any of these games get canceled. These two games I just mentioned are going to have a lot of significance to the Big Ten standings. So fingers crossed that they can play these games without any sort of issues. In other news, I did want to talk briefly about South Carolina parting ways with head coach Will Muschamp. He got fired, uh, I think, yesterday on Sunday. And so the offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo, uh, who is a former head coach at Colorado State, will serve as the interim head coach for the Gamecocks for the remainder of the season. There was a statement that was released by the program, and I quote, After a thorough assessment of our football program, we have decided to make a change with the head football coach. Uh, Tanner said in a statement, appreciate all that Will Muschamp has done for our program and wish him and his family the best moving forward. I believe our program will be well served by Coach Bobo as the interim head coach as we search for a new leader of, uh, as we search for a new leader for Gamecock football, end quote. And that was, uh, that was a statement from athletic director Ray Tanner uh, on Sunday. So the the South Carolina Gamecocks are making this decision after South Carolina's third straight loss. It was a 59-42 to loss to Ole Miss on Saturday. The Gamecocks this season are 2-5. and five. They've allowed a total of 159 points during their three-game losing streak and gave up 708 yards of total offense in the loss to Ole Miss. So that's definitely a fireable offense in the eyes of Ray Tanner and the South Carolina program. Will Muschamp was in his fifth season as a head coach at South Carolina. He was 28-30 and 30 overall, so not, not very good at all. He was also a head coach at Florida, which seems pretty crazy that one guy can, you know, work at two SEC programs. He was there for a while at, at South Carolina, but, you know, no one is immune from getting the axe during COVID. Will Muschamp is the first guy to, to lose his job. 
He's going to have a nice little uh, settlement or a nice little buyout, I guess you could say. I think I saw something uh, that his buyout was like $15 million. Uh, so, you know, he'll have a nice little cushion there before he decides what his next move will be, whether that's in a head coaching capacity or probably some sort of coordinator at a program. I'm sure he'll you know, probably land on his feet somewhere, but to be fired and, and get $15 million payout or buyout, that's still not too shabby of a day. Then in other news, there's a breaking report that came out. Uh, I saw it on ESPN, but I think it was originally reported on USA Today. There was uh, some allegations that LSU ignored sexual assault complaints. And so that report, I think, came out earlier today. And uh, it alleges that several LSU officials had knowledge of sexual assault allegations made against former uh, players um, and the school ignored those complaints or they denied the victim's requests for protection. The report also cites three cases in which football players were found responsible for sexual assault and were allowed to stay on campus receiving deferred suspensions, which amounts to probation. So some players were named in, in the report. You can find it on ESPN or USA Today was the, the main source of the report. And so it's it's pretty damning. It's that's that's not good to see. And you know you would hope that these programs and universities would do right by students. If, if players were found guilty of any sort of allegations, you know I hope those reports were taken seriously. You know when I read this report or saw the headline for the report, it immediately reminded me of the Baylor situation a few years ago, and that that got real out of hand. That got real ugly. And I think it could have been it didn't have to be as bad as it got. I guess. You know, if the proper uh, officials who are in place to protect students and athletes did their jobs and did what they needed to do to hold those responsible, responsible. So it's just it's crazy that we're that these programs try to hide this stuff. It's crazy that it goes on for so long and that in this report, it's saying LSU ignored sexual assault complaints. And what what good does that do? What good does that do? That doesn't do any good for anyone. It's a bad mark on the program and on these players. And you just make the situation worse by trying to cover it up or by not doing anything at all when you have a duty to your students to protect them and to make sure that you have a safe environment and that you're not harboring any sort of criminals or any sort of um, any sort of players that have, have harmed people. I, I think you know swift action needs to be taken in those instances and so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this report i need to dive into it fully but those are my initial uh that's my initial reaction and, and initial take on it so we'll see you know what happens in lsu with that situation that whole report and i just hope those who were affected are, are safe and feel protected but there there we, there we have it folks that was my podcast episode for this week i hope you enjoyed listening to it i'm getting back into the groove of doing podcasts again and so we'll see how far we can go this season we'll see if we'll have a season till the end it surely will be interesting but uh i'm gonna sign out and before i do i just want to say thank you again for downloading the show make sure you wash your hands make sure you cover your face wash your feet just be safe be kind and uh we'll get through this But until we talk again, until I have a chance to speak to you all, hope you guys stay safe. Hope you have a fun uh, week, a good week, and I hope to talk to you again in the near future.
But uh, be good, y'all. Take care. His favorite target of the day was wide receiver Ty Fryfogel. I think that's his name, Fryfogel. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.